0: Do we serve a great God? Yes. This week I was listening to some songs and, and I kept hearing the phrase great, great, great. How great is our God. This morning we sang one of the songs, How Great Is Our God. And it, it got me to thinking, sometimes I think we can say that so quickly, and so fast that we miss what it actually means. We just, oh, God is great. God is great. And then we just carry on. So I've done a little bit of a study this week. I, I, I took a little bit of time, and I wanted to look at what does it mean when we say God is great. What does it mean... When we say God is great. The definition, one of the definitions of great is considerably above the norm. Have you ever seen something that's normal? Have you ever seen something that's average? Have you ever seen something that's just, oh well, that's the way everything is? The God that we serve is not just like everything or everyone else. He is considerably, and I would even say, suggest to you, more than considerably above the norm. So I want to take a few moments today, and I just wanted to show you some verses. I want to share with you some verses on, on what God, how great God is. If you can turn in your Bibles, we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time in Psalms today. So if you can turn in your Bibles to Psalm 86. You can never run out of superlatives when you describe God. You can never run out of words to describe how good He is when you describe God. Just try to exaggerate how good He is. Try to exaggerate how good God is. You can't over-exaggerate God. Pastor Nelson's got this red bomb This Camaro, it's got a soft top. You get a day like today, and you ride on the the ocean, (laughs) no, you ride on the freeway, and the wind blowing, and you get out of there, and people say, how was it? Awesome. Fantastic. Great. But after a while, you run out of words to describe it. With God, you never can run out of words to describe it. His goodness, His greatness. So, Psalm 86. I want to read a few verses out of here, out of this verse. I want to start right in the first verse because I want you to see the context, the complexity of the situations that the psalmist who's writing this finds himself in, and when he st- makes a statement, you want to look around and you want to see why, what, why is that statement embedded in the Scriptures? Why is it there? What surrounds it? So, we're going to just read some Scriptures today, and we're going to see how great God is. Incline your ear, O Lord, and answer me, for I am afflicted and needy. Any Ever felt like that? Well, we maybe have a couple honest people. Preserve my soul, for I'm a godly man. O oh, you, my God, save your servant who trusts in you. Be gracious to me, O oh Lord, for to you I cry all day long. Make glad the soul of your servant, for to you, O oh Lord, I lift up my soul. For you, O oh Lord, are good and ready to forgive, abundant in loving kindness to to all who call upon you. Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer, and give heed to the voice of my supplications. In the day of my trouble I shall call upon you, for you will answer me. There is no one like you among the gods, small g, O Lord, nor are there any works like yours. There is no one like you among all gods. And when he's talking about gods, he's talking about all the gods that they were serving, the adjacent nations. And they had all these different deities or thought of deities in there. And he's saying, there's, there's none like that. There's no one like you among all them, O God. Nor are there any works like yours. All nations whom you have made shall come and worship before you, O Lord, And they shall glorify your name. For you are great. For you are great. For you are great. You don't get to being great without seeing the whole context. For you are great and do wondrous deeds. You alone are God. I want you to see some of these verses when we use the word great in the context of where the psalmist finds and explains and gets a picture of God's greatness. Let's turn to another psalm. Let's go to Psalm 77. I'm keeping it easy today. I'm just keeping you in psalms for right now. Come on, somebody laugh. I thought that was... (laughs) Yeah, you're on your computer. It doesn't matter where we go. You can find it easy. (laughs) Psalm 77. I want to start in verse 11. I want you to get a picture of how great God is. Because I think we sometimes use that word so quickly that we don't understand or we don't get a grasp of how great He is. "'I shall remember the deeds of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is great like our God?' Who is great like our God? "'You are the God who works wonders.'" You have made known your strength among the peoples and you have by your power redeemed your people, the son of Jacob and Joseph. Look look at this. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw God. I mean, he's over everything. The waters saw you, O God. The waters saw you. They were in anguish. The deeps also trembled. The clouds poured out water. The skies gave forth a sound. When you hear thunder and lightning, maybe that's the sky giving out a sound saying, wow, God is great. When you hear the trees and the wind blowing through the trees and you hear the whistling. Maybe that's creation and the tree saying, God, you're great. When you look at the ocean and you see the waves crashing on the water on, on the side of the shore. And you see the waves and they don't come any further. Do you know that God actually said to those waves, this is your limit? He actually said, you go this far and no more. And every day they recede and then they try to get further than they can. And you hear that roar, and those roars are saying, God is great. When we get a picture of the greatness of God, it affects everything we do. And the psalmist here has a picture of how great God is. He says, the waters, they freak out when they see you. They're in anguish. The sound of your thunder was in the whirlwind. The lightnings lit up the world. The earth trembled and shook. Your way was in the sea and your paths in the mighty waters. And your footprints may not be known. You led your people like a flock by the hand of Moses and Aaron. My God is great. My God is great. When the oceans see Him, they get anguish. When the lightning strikes across the sky and the thunder roars behind it, they are declaring how great God is. All creation declares His greatness. I want to give you a picture that the God that we serve is not weak. The God that you serve is master of the universe. I don't know about you, but the, I I try to sometimes sit down and figure that out. Because when I have a need in life, I will go to the source of where I can get that need settled. So for instance, I am not a mechanic. So when I have a vehicle trouble, I go to someone who can help me figure it out. And that person, it, they help me out and they... And I sometimes think they're great because I put the key in and I turn it and if nothing happens I start praying. And we put people on pedestals and we have these ideas that this person is great, this, and, and I don't have a problem with recognizing the gifts and the talents people have and I thank God for mechanics, yeah my wife does too. <laughs> I thank God for people who are skilled in things. But what happens is we take these things and we place man in this position and man in this position. And I'm here to tell you that God is over all. And sometimes we start looking this way. We start looking horizontally. Who can settle my problem? Who can solve my issue? Who can figure this out for me? And we start looking like this. And David in the Psalms here, he says, he's not looking this way, he's looking that way. And he says, you're the one that took the children of Israel out. You're the one that when the thunder strikes and the lightning happens, that you're the one that they're praising and they're glorifying. Our God is great. Why don't you turn to Psalm 95. Hallelujah. My God is a great God. He's not an okay God. He's not among other gods. My God is the king of all. He's the God of gods. He is above all. He is Lord of lords. Psalm 95, verse 3. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. And then look at this. In whose hands are the depths of the earth? I mean, the earth is just in His hand. <laughs> the earth is just in His hand. It's like a tennis ball in His hand. My God is so immense. The earth, it's like a ball in His hand. And if the earth is a ball in His hand and we inhabit the earth, what are we in comparison The peaks of the mountains are His also. When you look at the mountains, you look at them and say, they're yours, God's. They're yours. And you can look to them and you can say, I look to the mountains from whence cometh my help. My help comes from the maker of heaven and earth. When you look at the mountains, what you get is a picture of how great God is. You don't just get the picture of that mountain. Take that mountain and say, that's a picture of how great my God is. When you hear the wind blowing through the leaves of the trees, you get a picture of the greatness of God, and He has all creation is calling out and praising Him. The peaks of the mountains are, the sea is His, for, he, for it was He who made it, and His hands formed the dry land. You can't separate the greatness of God from his creation. You can't separate the greatness of God from his creation. I'd like you to turn in front of Psalms, there's a, a book called Job. You turn to Job right before Psalms and, and just at the back end of Job, I want to read a few verses. You want to see an amazing description of how great God is? You read Job 38, 39, 40, 41 and God is talking to Job and if you just turn to 38, I want us to have a picture of why God is so great and how great He is. So that when you have an issue, you can have confidence that you're bringing it to the greatest being in the world, in the universe, ever. And He doesn't get weaker. He doesn't get... He he doesn't need a new operating system. He doesn't need 30 minutes to reboot... He doesn't go down. He doesn't lose power. He he's he's a hundred percent all the time, and then some. And so you want to you want to read some real sobering thoughts. You read Job 38, 39, 40. I just want to read you a couple verses here. And he says, And the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind. (laughs) Can you imagine having a whirlwind and God speaking to you? Who is it that darkens counsel by words without knowledge? He says, Who is it that's darkening this counsel because you're speaking words without knowledge? Now gird up your loins like a man. And I will ask you, and you instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me, if you have understanding, who set its measurements? If you're so smart, Job, where were you when I established the earth? And how did you figure out the measurements? How did you figure that out? Or who stretched the line? Or what, what, where, it, where its base is sunk? Or who, who, where is its cornerstone? This is the God that we serve. Now, I don't want to take this to hammer it over you and say, don't talk. Uh, what I want you to see is how great God is. He's the one that laid the foundations of the earth. He's the one that put the cornerstone. Nobody knows where that cornerstone is, but He does. He's the one that established the depths. If you go on in those verses in 38, 39, and 40, He talks about Orion. He talks about constellations in the sky. And science is just starting to catch up with what he spoke in Job. He gave them names in Job. And people start looking at the sky and then they start realizing, oh, this, this. He says, who did that? I serve a great God. And in my head, sometimes I equate God with man. Sometimes I equate God with, well, if this is my ability, this is his ability. And I'm here to tell you that that is wrong. He's the one that created all, he is great. A couple things when you look at the word great. Great stresses importance. It stresses size. Do you know how big God is? If you turn in the Bible, if you turn to Psalm 139, I want to read you a couple verses out of Psalm 139. Verse 7. Talking about the extent and the size of God. And by the way, if you don't think man is enamored with the size and extent and greatness, all you have to do is you have to just have to watch some science fiction TV. Like Doctor Who. My daughter had it on last night. Shane, you got to pray for me, man. But these shows... And they got time travel, and they got this. And what they're trying to do is they're trying to figure things out, and they've got all these ideas. And God sits there, and He goes, I've got it all figured out. And they're trying to figure out the extent of this or the extent of that. And in Psalm 139, verse 7, the psalmist is writing, and, and he's, he's talking about God's omnipotence. His, his omnipresence, how smart he is, and how he's everywhere. And in verse 7, he says, where can I go from your spirit, or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, if I go all the way to heaven, you're there. And if I make my bed in Sheol, you're there, the depths. If I take the wings of dawn, and if I dwell in the remotest part of the sea, even there, your hand will lead me, and your right hand will lay hold of me if I say, and this is an amazing part, if I say the darkness is going to overwhelm me, he says, and the light around me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. Whatever darkness you might be experiencing is not dark to God. He's got the best night goggle vision around. It's light to him. How big is God? What is the extent of him? If you go all the way to heaven, he's up there, and if you make your depths in the, in the bed in the depths of shoal, the depths of the abyss, some people refer to shoal as hell, hell, it's depths. It's, it's deep. It's the deep parts of the earth. If you make your bed in there, he's there. Sometimes I think we can outthink God. I can outwit him. If I say this, I'll get God going that way, and then I can do this. Man, our lives, are we ever stupid? If I tell God I'm gonna go over here, then I can sneak and do this. I mean, we we compute him with with how we try to trick our mom and dad. <laughs> well, I told my dad I was gonna do this, and I told my mom I was gonna do that, and they don't know have a clue. And that's not how God operates. He's great. He's important. Why is he important? In Genesis 3, I believe it's verse 8. Do you know what we're composed of? People talk about all our cell structure and everything else. I'm here to tell you, we're just a bunch of dust. We are just a complicated bunch of dust. And it says in Genesis 3... Uh, I believe it's verse 8, that God formed man out of the dust. So he went to the ocean, and instead of making a sandcastle, he made a sand human. He formed us out of the dust, it says, and then he breathed into us, and we became a living soul. The breath that you take right now is the breath that God gave you. You want to talk about how great God is, the breath that you have, every we do it unconsciously. I mean, I just breathe normally. I, I, can't eat, I don't think about my breathing. That's the spirit of God in you. You want to talk about how great He is? He took dust, stuff that we put in the garbage. He took that, he formed us, and then he went and we started to breathe. Everything I've got, I owe to him. And when he goes like this and draws my last breath, I return to dust. How great is God! No superlatives can even go get close. He's marvelous. He's wonderful. He's powerful. He's amazing. He's incredible. He's mighty. He's creator. He's huge. He's everywhere. He's all smart. He's all knowing. He's powerful. He's present. So why do you think it's important to know that God's great? I'm sharing this for a reason. Why is it important? that We sing it all the time. We sang it today. We had our hands raised. I even had my eyes closed. I'm singing, Lord, you're great. Why do you think it's important? Why is it important that you and I know that God is great? I've got one verse I want you to see, and then I want to give you a few thoughts about greatness. If you can turn to Job chapter 3. Sorry, Job chapter 5. I want to read a verse to you, and I want you to see, I want to share with you why I think it's important that you and I know why God is great. Because when you understand why God is great, it changes how you live. When you understand that God is not just a name or three letters that we've written on the page. God is not just a person like you and me, but God is great that He's the creator of all, that He's magnificent, that the seas freak out when they see Him, that the thunder and the lightning claps at His command, that the trees, when, they, when the wind blows, when He blows His wind upon them, they start praising His name. When you start to understand the magnitude of the greatness of God, it changes how you live. The God that I serve is got as an immense magnitude. Whenever I'm in trouble, when I was a kid, even now, when I get in trouble, one of the first person I talk, there's two people I call. Of course, I call my wife. That's that's the first person I call, but she doesn't always help me. She loves me and she listens to me, which is huge. But then I will call my dad, and I will call my father-in-law. Whenever I get in trouble, there's some order of who I call. Why? Because I consider them great. I consider them better than me. I consider them somebody that can help me. And I'm here to tell you, when we understand how great God is, The protocol for calling will change. Sorry, Dad, you've been demoted to number three. Because God is a little bit bigger. When we understand how great God is, it changes how you live. And I want you to see in Job chapter 5, and this is the beginning of the dilemma of Job. And Job had, had all these riches and this, this amazing uh, spread, and he had all this family. And one disaster after another happens to him, and then he has three friends. And I mean, if you've got friends like Job's friends, go find some other friends. I mean, if they come around and they say, the reason why you're in trouble is because you're... And they just pour it on you, find somebody else. I mean, they even traveled to see Job. And this is what one of his friends starts out with, and in Job 5.8, he says, But as for me, I would seek God, and I would place my cause before God, who does great and unsearchable things. And I want you to see this verse, and in the message, some, I, I enjoy reading the message, I, I don't read it for study, I read it just for, for the, the getting a different view or different thoughts, and it's written in a modern-day language. And in Job 5, 8 and 9, out of the message, it says, if I were in your shoes, I'd go straight to God. I'd throw myself on the mercy of God. After all, he's famous for great and unexpected acts. There's no end to his surprises. I like how he says that. If I were in your shoes, I'd go straight to God. Forget your wife, forget your father in law, forget your dad, just go straight to God. You know, if you're playing Monopoly, you know, go straight to jail. You know, go straight to God. If I was in your condition, I'd go straight to God. Why is it important to understand? how great God is? Because if you don't know how great He is, you're not going to seek Him. If you don't know that God is great, you're not going to go seeking Him. You're going to seek somebody else. If you don't think He can help you through the dilemma that you're facing, you're going to go somewhere else and God's going to sit there and say, I'm here, and you're going to, no, I'm going this way. I'm chasing my solution in a bottle. I'm chasing my solution in, in a TV program. I'm chasing my solution in some hallucinogenics. I'm chasing my solution in something that will just ease the pain in a temporary measure. But I just I'm, And God's saying, and I'm here to tell you, if I were in your shoes, I'd see God. Why? Because He's great. He does things that are unsearchable. I mean, we haven't even figured Him out. And his ways are marvelous. And the word marvelous there isn't just marvelous. The word marvelous talks about his greatness and it talks about how he does things to distinguish himself to you. When he does marvelous things, he does something to distinguish God to you. Has God distinguished himself to you? I think we could honestly say yes, but He wants to keep doing it. It says because He does it in innumerable ways. He doesn't just do it once. If you don't see God as great, you're not going to value Him. Why? Because you only seek what you consider valuable. You will only make time for what you consider a value. You do. A couple years ago, my boys asked me to go running. And at first I said no. And I thought, you know what, here I am in my mid-40s. And I had two boys that are saying, Dad, do you want to go for a run? And I said, no. I said, so I'm talking to myself. I said, David, you're stupid. How many men would be so honored that their kids actually would ask them to stick, be with them? Mind you, I found out why later because they beat me. But my kids wanted to do something with me. So I said, sure. I said, you know, I said, guys, actually, I will join you. So, I put my runners on, and I put on my best athletic gear to look good. Got out of my house, got off the driveway, which was a chore in itself. Started to run down the road, and it's like 10 seconds later, and they're like 100 yards down the road, and I'm like 10. And I'm panting. My heart is like just And they ran, and they kept running. I ran across the one road about 400 yards away, and then it was like I was dying. And I stopped and I walked. And I saw them distance, I saw them in the horizon turn around and start coming back. And I thought, okay, I'm going to come back. And my one son just passed me. He didn't even stop. I won't name names. I love them dearly. My other son ran past me. He got about five feet in front of me, and then he stopped. And he realized Dad was in trouble. Dad, he turns around, you can do it, Dad. You can do it. I made it back home. I ran maybe 800 yards. They ran two and a half kilometers. I got home, and I was so embarrassed because I always thought I was in shape. I always thought I could do whatever I wanted to do. And I told my wife, this is never going to happen again. So I started to search for something to change that. And when you value something, you seek after it. So why is it important to understand the value of how great God is? Because if you don't understand how great He is, you're not going to understand how to seek Him, or you're not going to value seeking Him. And I looked at that, and I understood in this context that my health was valuable to me. So you know what it started, I started to do? I actually woke up earlier. I got out of bed when I used to be sleeping, and I'd go for a jog. Then I bought a bicycle, and I started riding a bicycle. Why? Why? Because I was going after something that I valued and I was seeking after something that I thought was important. So why is it important to understand how great God is? Because when you're in trouble, He is the solution. When you are physically... panting and your heart is beating at your chest, or you are doing something and you've reached your limit and you can't go any further, I'm here to tell you, when you understand how important and how great God is, you will seek Him. And you will say, what do I need to do in order to change? What do I need to do in order that my kids don't beat me so bad the next time? What do I have to do in order to help, have God help me? I mean, we can understand it sometimes this way, but God's here saying, I've got the solutions. In Hebrews, it says, come to me when you're tired and weary. He says, in fact, when you need help, call unto me in your time of trouble. It's okay to call God when you're in trouble. No, I'm going to wait till everything's better, and then I'll talk to Him. No, I'm just going to wait till the dust settles, And then, ah, if I feel like it, I'll ask him for help. He says, no, in times of trouble, call on him. Why is it important to know how great God is? Because you only seek what you consider valuable. You only seek what you consider valuable. If you don't think it's valuable, you're not going to waste your time. I didn't think health was valuable, so I didn't waste my time on it. Now, if you ask my wife, I waste a lot of time on it. If you don't believe God is great, you're not going to seek Him. If you do not believe God is great, you will not seek Him. That word seek by the way has a few definitions but one of them is it's it mean one of its meanings is to frequent the place. I thought wow what a what a picture. How often do I frequent his place? How often do I frequent God? Somebody, you know, when you watch some of these TV shows, they'll say, well, he frequents this. He frequents that. He frequently is here. How often do I frequent God? And I'm not just talking as a pastor. Because if you think I'll frequent God once I become a pastor, you've missed it. If you think I'll frequent God once this job gets over... You've missed it. If you think, I'll frequent God once this issue is solved, you've missed it. You start freak, frequenting God now. Don't wait till tomorrow. Seek Him. Frequent Him now. Why is that important? Because if you do not value Him, you will miss it. You'll be spiritually Lethargic, spiritually out of shape. You don't think we seek what we value? One of the largest industries in the world is diets. Why? Because people value their health or they value their, um, their look. They value their status. People will pay billions of dollars, not one person, but people pay billions of dollars for cosmetics, for diets. Why? Because they value it. I want to look good. That's what they seek. Some people seek their career. So what do they do? They value their career. Some people seek and value family. Some people seek and value friendship. Some people seek and value cars. Some people seek and value money. Some people seek and value wisdom. Some people seek and value God. And we place all these things. I'm here to tell you, God is great. He is distinguished and he is considerably better than the normal. And in Job here, he's saying, if I was in your shoes, Job, I would seek God. If, if I was in your shoes, I would frequent the place where God is. Because that's where I will find my solution. frequent the place in closing I want to connect a couple dots last week we had an amazing conference with Dr. Brown and on Sunday he shared on not settling for less And I know it impacted many people. If you want to live a productive and fulfilled life, if you want to live a life that lives above the noise, if you want to live a life that is abundant, if I was in your shoes, I'd seek God. He'd be like number one. Number two, and number three. Maybe even a few more, but I'd start there. How do you do that? You start early. First thing I do in the morning, I honor him. You say, Well, I don't got time. Take two minutes. Take two minutes. I mean sometimes we think I got to do 30 minutes and I got to have a 6 point outline when I'm done my devotions. I'm here to tell you start seeking him early. And if it t- if it's if if all you've got is 2 minutes, you know what? Make those the best 2 minutes of your day. Because if you value him, you will seek after him. And if you do not value him, you will not seek after him. Because you are programmed and wired, we all are programmed and wired to seek, to value, whatever we value is what we seek and what we put our energy to. I am not putting my energy into something worthless and wasteful. I will put my energy into something I think is worth it. And that's how we're wired. That's how man is wired, generally speaking. So I'm here to tell you, if I was in your shoes, I would seek God because He's great and His ways are like awesome and unsearchable and you can't number them. Now I don't know where every one of you is, but I'm here to tell you God's great. If, if that's all that you walk out of here today is when you hear the word great, you have a greater depth of understanding of what God is than I've accomplished what I was set out for to do this morning. I just want you to realize God is great. And when you value Him, you will seek after Him. It challenges me. It challenges me. Last week, I believe God gave some people words. I believe God touched people's lives last week. Don't settle for less. Don't settle to be a victim. Settle to be a victor. Don't settle for... for having to have to always have a revival and be revived and be revived. Settle for something that's renewed and alive all the time. Don't settle for what the enemy has stolen. Settle for his increase and what he says he'll give back to you. And when you value that, you will seek after that and you will put your energy and your efforts into that. God is not someone that you just stick in your back pocket. I had a friend of mine who made all these network connections and I was one of them because I was a pastor. He figured he could take me, stick me in his back pocket and he took care of his spiritual need. Don't put God in your back pocket and think, I'll just pull him out when I need him. If he's great, and he is, uh, his ways are unsearchable. His truth is unending. We sang this morning that his grace never ends. His love is unconditional. If He is for us, who can be against us? With Him, we are a majority. He is my strength. He's my shield. He's my fortress. He's the one on whom I call. He is great. And this morning, I want to encourage you. If that means you got to reshuffle and adjust a few things, adjust it so that He is number one. Matthew 6, it says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And Job here, his friend says to Job, If I was in your shoes, I would seek God. Why? Because he's great. Amen? Do you receive that today? I'm just going to close in prayer. I'm going to pray for you. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. I'm just going to ask God to quicken something inside of you, a hunger, an insatiable appetite for Him. And if you need prayer for healing, if any of you aren't well, you can come forward after we pray and we dismiss and we're going to pray for you. we got a few people that will stay forward and we'll pray. If, you're, if you need prayer, whether it's you need healing, whether you're just asking God for something, We want to make time to minister. Amen? If you could bow your heads. Heavenly Father, you are great. And I ask this week, God, that we would have an appetite, an insatiable appetite to know you and to spend time with you And to value you. I ask for your Holy Spirit to quicken the word this morning. That we would see that you are great. Truly, truly great. I pray for everyone here, Lord, that that you would bless them. That your blessings would chase and catch up to us this week your precious name, everybody said. Amen. God bless you. If you want some prayer, come forward and have a great week.